This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now, before this happened, Israel's greatest need was for guidance so God in the pillar of cloud and the fire was in the front of Israel to guide them, O thou great Jehovah. But now Israel needs protection from the rear where the enemy is just about to annihilate them, so he moves from the front to the rear. God moved from the where the need was the greatest. Isn't that encouraging? It shows us how in our lives God comes to where our need is the greatest like in the rear, as it says here, and as he talked about in Isaiah 58.8. Isaiah 58.8, where it says, Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy rear reward, or thy rear guard. And the effect was, in verse 20, it came to pass, uh, it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, It was a cloud and darkness to them, that'd be the Egyptians, but it gave light by night to these, that'd be the Israelites, so that the one came not near the other all the night. So when God in the pillar of the cloud moved to the rear, God came in between the Egyptians and Israel, and he was toward the Egyptians, he was a pillar that was described as a pillar of cloud and darkness to the Egyptians. So all of a sudden, the Egyptians find themselves in a thick fog, a really thick fog. You ever been in a thick fog? You ever been in a pea soup where you can't see your feet? That's what happened to the Egyptians. All of a sudden, they find themselves in such a thick cloud. They're in a cloud. And now there's one more element that the Egyptians found themselves in. It's one thing to be in pea soup where you can't see anything during the daytime or at least you've got some light. Now, all of a sudden, it's not only the pea soup, but it's darkness. They can't see that. Have you ever been like that? I remember one time I was in Lake Tahoe at night, and it was snowing, and there wasn't a moon out, 
And it just, you know, it was just like the Egyptians. No street lights. He couldn't see. But only they didn't have street lights. Egyptians didn't. We did we didn't Lake Tahoe. But anyway, but they're just engulfed in this fog and darkness. And this fog and utter darkness carried on all night. So the Egyptians were forced to stop and they weren't able to come near Israel. And this went on all night long. What a night. What a long night that was. That's part of the process. And the pillar removing from the front to the rear and the all night long fog and darkness that held the Egyptians back was all part of God's process in this third phase. Israel was not delivered by a leap. Israel was delivered by a process, and this is the process. Now, can't you imagine Moses at the beginning of all this and saying to God, Lord, it would have been so much easier if you just would have eliminated the Egyptians when they were back there in their stables getting their chariots ready. I mean, you, you killed the Egyptian firstborns. Why, it would be just a whole lot less stressful for us. I mean, we, we could have just gotten the report. Oh, the Egyptians died when they were getting their chariots ready. That would have been so much better. Why does it have to be all this drama, all this drama, this painful process with the rod and the sea and the dry land and the thin cloud and the darkness? Couldn't you just transport Israel by a miracle to the other side? I mean, that would have been so much easier on us. We could have just waved bye-bye. But God was looking for something more, a special honor on himself. So God told Moses, this was all going to be about God getting the glory, and it's the process, it's in the process that God gets the glory. And we find ourselves in the same situation, asking God, couldn't you just eliminate all the drama of this whole thing? Just make life a little easier? But it's all about God getting the glory, and the glory comes in the process. So that's why this is a lesson to instruct us. So the process, according to verse 20, is that the pillar has two sides to it. The pillar on the one side toward the Egyptians, it was a pillar of cloud and darkness. But on the other side toward Israel, the same pillar was perfect light to Israel. That was the same pillar. The same pillar had on one side the cloud of darkness and confusion to the Egyptians, and at the same time, it was light and clarity to Israel. The same pillar. The same pillar paralyzed the Egyptians from making one step forward, and on the other side, it gave light so that Israel could march on. Two sides. Two sides to the same pillar. Two sides is seen often in the Bible. The Bible itself has two sides. To some, the Bible is light and it results in salvation. As 1 Peter 1.23 says, 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Light by the word of God. Psalm 119.105, Psalm 119.105, thy word is a light, a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. But the Bible has another side, just like the pillar did, and it's spoken of in 2 Peter 3.16, 2 Peter 3.16, as also in all his epistles, speaking of Paul, speaking in them of these things in which there are some things hard to be understood. <laughs> you think? <laughs> some of the things Paul says are a little hard to understand, never mind. But then it says, 
in the which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Their own destruction. The Bible has two sides. The pillar has two sides. The ark of the tabernacle had two sides. To some, the ark was a wonderful place where God met, as it says in Exodus 25:22. Exodus 25:22, as we have over there in the theater, the replica of it. There will I meet with thee. I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto thee, Israel. What a blessing. What a blessing the ark was. One side. One side of the ark was a blessing. It was a blessing to the house of Obed-Edom, as it says in 1 Chronicles 13, 14. 1 Chronicles 13, 14. The ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months, and the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Why? Because the ark was there. But there was another side to the ark. Another side to the ark. Yes, there was a side of blessing, but the ark, like the pillar, like the Bible, had another side. And the Philistines saw that side. In 1 Samuel 5, 6, 1 Samuel 5, 6, the hand of the Lord was heavy upon them of Ashdod. And he destroyed them and smote them with emeralds, even Ashdod and the coast thereof. And when the men of Ashdod saw it, that it was so, they said, the ark of God of Israel shall not abide with us, for as a hand is sore upon us and upon Dagon our God. The ark had two sides. The Bible has two sides. The pillar had two sides. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself has two sides. As Simeon said, these two sides, when he was holding the Lord Jesus as a baby, he said in Luke 2.34, Luke 2.34, Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken of. In Isaiah 8.14 it says, he shall be for a sanctuary, but also for a stone of stumbling, and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Pillar has two sides. The ark has two sides. The Bible has two sides. The Lord Jesus has two sides. And so do we. And so do we as believers. It says in 2 Corinthians 2.15, 2 Corinthians 2.15, we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are a savor of death unto death. That's a bad side. To the other, we are the savor of life unto life. That's the good side. Two sides. As believers, we have one side of being a sweet savor of Christ, of life unto life to fellow believers, but we have another side of being a savor of death unto death to those who are perishing. So this is also part of this phase three process, continuing. And then we read in verse 21, that Moses stretches out his hand over the sea. The Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. So here's a process, here's part of the process. It lasts all night long as God sent a strong east wind that piled up the waters like walls and dried out the seafloor. And we can imagine Israel during that night thinking, what in the world is God doing with this strong, dry east wind? It must have been some Santa Ana that was blowing through there to pile up the water and dry out the floor. 
Israel had never seen anything like that before. I mean, they, they'd seen fairies go across the River Nile, but they imagined to, to saying to Moses, Moses, couldn't you just ask God for some big fairies to take us across? But no. And that's not what God decided to do. God decided that this was going to be an all-night-long process. Moses holding up his rod, the blowing of the dry wind. And the passageway through the sea must have been very wide to allow two million people with their cattle to cross in a few short hours of the night. I mean, it's hard to imagine a, a wind like this, uh, what this is. But David described it in Psalm 77, 16, Psalm 77, 16, when he said, the waters saw thee, O God, the waters saw thee, they were afraid, the depths also were troubled. This was phase three, phase three, God's all night process. And then comes the next phase, the next phase, in verse 22. Children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on the right hand and on their left. So this next phase can be described as the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground. The fourth phase here is the phase of go ahead in faith. This is the phase of go ahead in faith. It took faith for Israel to go ahead into the sea in the dry land. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine how some in Israel might say, if I walk into that sea, I'm gonna have a panic attack. Because just imagine walking on that dry ground into the sea and looking up on one side, and how tall was that? It looks like where they crossed at the Gulf of Aqaba looks like about two or 300 feet deep. So just kind of think of the Coronado Bridge and a wall of water the height of the Coronado Bridge. Would you walk by that? And, 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 and imagine, it's not just on one side. The Bible says it's on the right hand and on the left hand. Huge mass of water and two million Israelites walking between that. What a scene that was. This crowd of, of, of two million walking right up against these walls of water on either side. The glow of the pillar that's behind them, giving them light. Each step for them is a step of faith as they see these walls here and they take a step of faith. And Hebrews describes this walk. Hebrews describes this walk in Hebrews 11.29. Hebrews 11.29 when it says, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. Dry land. So each step, that, each step they take there is a step of faith. Any moment, the walls can fall down on them and drown them. But they believed the walls would not fall down on them. That's when they were trusting and obeying. Trusting and obeying as they took each step as a step of faith. What a picture for us. What a picture for us of them crossing through there, of the truth of what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith not by sight. So what we've seen is that the way of escape for Israel did not open up until they were hemmed in, and that was phase one. That was a desperate situation. And then came phase two, waiting and hoping. And then came phase three, God's process of, de of, of delivering them. And now phase four, them going ahead in faith. That's a pattern for our lives. That's a pattern for our lives. Now, the Egyptians followed as it says in verse 23, the Egyptians pursued, went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And when they did, it says that the Lord 
looked at the Egyptians from the pillar. I just think this is so, uh, so wonderful. Why can't you just see God, you know, like a porthole? He opens up the porthole and sticks his head out into the pillars. What's going on here in the trouble? It says that in verse 24, it came to pass that in the morning, watch the Lord, looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire. He opens up the porthole, the cloudy, and then he troubles the Egyptians and, 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 and took off their chariot wheels so that they drave them heavily. I would have loved to have seen this. So that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. So, it's the morning watch, it's still dark, and the Egyptians, without thinking, go right into the trap, right into the trap, and, and, and I don't know what happened. Maybe there was soft ground on the seafloor, or maybe there were rocks. I don't know. I would have loved to have seen it. But their chariot wheels fall off. And you can imagine them saying to themselves, who put those chariot wheels on? Who didn't tighten those nuts and bolts up? We got to get him when we get back. But it, but it was the Lord that made the chariot wheels come off. And the Egyptians see that as the chariot wheels go, go off, they see that feeble little Israel is getting farther and farther away. And then comes this cold realization. We're fighting against God. We're fighting against the Lord God of the Hebrews. He is fighting for Israel. And they see, perhaps, they see the face of God, the judge. That's now the fifth phase. The fifth phase for the lost is the phase of panic. Panic. It's panic for the lost. Just imagine the shout. Save yourself if you can. Every man for himself. Go save yourself if you can. And the sad truth is that this fifth phase comes to all the lost when they realize they've fallen into what the Bible calls the hands of an angry God, as it says in Hebrews 10.31. Hebrews 10.31 says, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And that word fearful describes the fifth phase of the panic for the lost. Then with all the Egyptians now, they're in the sea. They're not able to move because God has commanded Moses now. He says in verse 26, and the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand over the sea that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, upon their horsemen. Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea. The sea returned to his strength. When the morning appeared, the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, and the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, all the host of Pharaoh. They came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. So the waters now were what the Egyptians saw this last terrible destruction. That's what they saw, the waters coming down on them. It was a complete destruction. This is the sixth phase, the sixth phase, for the, 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 which is the final judgment. The sixth phase, which is the final judgment. The sixth phase, the final judgment. I'm sorry, I told you there were six, there's seven. Seven's a better number anyway. So the waters here, it was a complete destruction. What a sight for Israel to see. As the morning broke out, and it stretched its rays, the light stretched its rays over the Red Sea. It had returned. It was calm. Israel watched. They watched this whole thing develop. They, they watched Moses as he stretched out his rod. They watched this strong, dry east wind. And they watched as the, as the wind stopped. And then they watched as the sea returned to fill in their passageway. And then they watched as the cries of the Egyptians in despair pierced the air. And they watched 
as the struggle was over. And they watched as the sea buried the Egyptians. And then they watched as all the hatred of the Egyptians, all the fury of the Egyptians was buried under the sea. And then they watched as the sea returned to a state of peace. And it didn't show any signs of the Egyptians. And then Israel watched as slowly, as the waves lapped the shore, they saw, in verse 30, the Lord saved Israel that day by the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. The bodies began to wash up on the seashore. And Israel watched as the sea gave up its dead, gave up the dead bodies of the Egyptians. They washed up, and Israel stood there in amazement as they watched the sea, which had two sides. The sea, which had two sides. The sea had opened up a passageway to save them, and the sea became the deathbed for the Egyptians. That was the sixth phase of final judgment. Now we come to the last phase, the seventh phase, and that's the last phase here in verse 31. Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the Lord, the people feared the Lord, believed the Lord for his servant. And then verse 1 of chapter 15, 15 verse 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake unto them, say, spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. This is the seventh phase of rejoicing and thanksgiving to God. And Israel could not contain themselves. And they sang the sang, they sang the song of Moses. They sang the song of Moses. And there's some, and we're all going to hear that song because the song of Moses is referred to in the book of Revelation. It's a song of victory. It's a song of triumph. And the lyrics go in all of chapter 15, but especially verse 10, thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them, they sank as lead in the mighty waters. It was important for Moses to restate that it was God who destroyed the Egyptian enemies, just as it was God who overwhelmed Hitler's army in the Russian snows, as God caused it to snow hard that winter, just as it was God who caused the Israeli government to make the decree that the Orthodox should serve in the army when they should be busy protesting against the government when we were distributing two million DVDs in Israel. But what we've seen, what we've seen, what we've seen tonight is we've seen these phases, and they're a pattern for us. The phase of the desperate situation for the saved. The phase of the go-ahead, for the phase, the phase of the hoping and waiting for the saved, the phase of the go-ahead for the saved, the process of salvation for the saved. And then we've also seen the phase of the panic for the lost and the phase of the final judgment for the lost. And last, we've seen the phase of the rejoicing and thanksgiving for the saved. What do we do with all this? We let this drive us this week to trust and obey and also to get the saved lost. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, Lord, these encouragement that you give us here in this great history of your parting of the Red Sea. Help us to learn the lessons, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.